Welcome to the Red Letter Christians podcast. Red Letter Christians gets our name from the Bibles that highlight the words of Jesus in red. And we're aspiring to live as if Jesus meant the stuff he said. We know that the loudest, most prominent voices representing Christianity in America haven't always been the most beautiful or the most faithful voices. And we know that the way we change the narrative is by changing the narrators. We are committed to amplifying the voices of people who are dedicated to Jesus and to justice. How much longer will justice be when a lawless heart is Hello, everybody. Thanks for joining us. This is Shane Claiborne, and I'm so glad you could listen in on the show. Some of you are listening on the radio, and some are uh checking out the podcast. And every week we talk about faith, but we also talk about the world we live in. I like how Karl Barth said, uh, you know, one of the great thinkers of uh, the Christian faith, he said, we got to read the Bible in one hand, but we got to hold the newspaper in the other so that our faith doesn't just become a ticket into heaven and a license to ignore the suffering of the world that we're living in. And, and, you know, I, I think there's a lot of folks that are um, so concerned about heaven that we forget that, that uh, Jesus cared a whole lot about earth. In fact, God left all the comfort of heaven to come join the struggle here on earth and to show us what love looks like fleshed out. And almost every time Jesus opened his mouth, he talked about the kingdom of God. Uh, but it wasn't just something we're to hope for when we die, but something we're to seek and to pursue and to usher in on earth as it is in heaven. So uh, our, our faith is about engaging this world, not just escaping the world. And every week I get to uh, use this little half hour or so as an excuse to hang out with people that I just adore <laughs> and that <laughs> and uh, that folks that um, have shaped me spiritually. And one of those is my friend today who's uh, going to uh, be carrying this half hour with me, Andy Rain from uh, the North Umbria community, who is a wild Celtic Pentecostal, I would say, who is uh, rooted. <laughs> no, not but I won't. I won't. But you, you are definitely a Holy Spirit guy that also loves liturgy. And the way that we met, Andy, was we really connected first when we were doing um, in the earliest days of our community, we started using Celtic daily prayer uh, as a, as our our guide in prayer because we had all these different uh, Christian traditions together: Catholic and Orthodox, and Pentecostal and Protestant and Anabaptist. And we were trying to find a way to pray together. And this Celtic daily prayer became instrumental for us. And you are one of the many kind of folks that helped to create that book, but you're kind of the curator of it. And um, that's how I first heard of you. So it's good to see you, man. <laughs> when when we did the first book, uh, people, um, we, we eventually say that if it doesn't say who wrote it or who edited that bit, if it doesn't say it was me. <laughs> <laughs> Well, then then uh, later, you know, years later, we we helped work with um, there were about dozens of different people, about 30 different people that created common prayer. And you were so generous 
and uh, coming in and we did some in-person gatherings, but then we did all kinds of digital stuff to create this prayer book, which is building on a lot of the s- similar ways of praying. In fact, we we closed with a benediction, um, which, um, you know, this is a little teaser for I'm hoping you'll send us out with um, that uh, later. But we, you know, I, we prayed that we prayed that this morning. We're using both of these books in our own lives. And it, when you talk about that, this is one of the fights that we had. Andy, people can't necessarily see this because they're listening to the podcast. But um, we didn't want our name on it either. So we had to, the compromise was that this thing that you can take off and throw away um, that <laughs> had the curators of our prayer book. Cause it, it's, we're building on this great tradition. And I thought, you know, for starters, um, not everybody knows Celtic spirituality or uh, Celtic daily prayer. Fol- folks are, you know, some folks I, I think are probably um, curious about that and others, it's a distinctive part of their spirituality. Um, so tell us a little bit about, um, I mean, this is this is hundreds of years old, but give us a little Celtic spirituality 101, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, when we would say that our tradition goes back, obviously, to Jesus and before Jesus, all the way through to the Old Testament characters and the stuff in between. But then uh, from Jesus, primarily, we follow the, the flow through John, the beloved disciple. Hmm. So um, and. Uh, a, f- a friend of ours, Roland Walls, who was a hermit at Roslyn near Edinburgh, and um, when he was uh, about to begin his tenure there, he was sent uh, and gifted with uh, a trip to P- to Patmos, mm. and so he he went to visit a, a hermit who was there, and he met a, an American woman, I think it was, who'd who'd been trying to see this same hermit. And she said, oh, he's a complete waste of space. You're wasting your time. I, I couldn't get any sense out of him at all. <laughs> so he just, he came near where the bloke was and he, he just watched him for a while and let him be quiet. And he just stayed there. And then after a while, the hermit guy got up and walked away. And Roland thought, oh, well, that's it. But he, as he came past, he just uh, touched him on the shoulder and said, those who lean on Jesus' breast hear the heartbeat of God. Mm, mm. And that was a word for his life, and it's become a word for us as well. So just like John, the one of the sons of thunder, mm. learned to lean against Jesus and to discern the heartbeat of God. And I, I find it very interesting in John's gospel, he's the one who actually tells us how it was for Jesus. Very often, Jesus will stop and explain what's going on inside of him. And John is the person who actually listens and then relays it back to us. You know, mm. so Jesus says things like, these the words that I speak, they don't come from me. But only as I hear by the Spirit from the Father do I speak. And the mm. works that I do, he explains the mechanics of it. Do you know what I mean? And, mm. and John actually pays attention and listens. So in the same way, we have a direct line of discipleship that comes through from John to the point where at the Synod of Whitby, uh, Wilfred, who was actually slagging them off, he suddenly says the the Roman church looks back to Peter as its father in the faith, which is to do with the geographic location and the continuity from there, um, when Rome was just one of a, a number of different places where there were bishops. But um, he said, but the Celtic branch of the church always looks to John. 
Mm. And nobody disputes it in the whole gathering. Mm. They they go, yes, of course. And it's interesting. We we look back and we see a line of discipleship that comes through John. But also there's a different emphasis that comes through uh, in terms of not rejecting the Jewish tradition, in terms of taking the spirituality of the desert and applying it in our lives. And then this whole heartfelt missionary move, which is characterized by not going in and telling everybody how they're supposed to do things, mm -hmm. but characterized by going in and listening to the culture that we uh, come into and embrace and recognizing that just like we listen to nature because it has things to speak to us. So yeah. in the same way, we listen to uh, the heartbeat of God as it comes through other people. Yeah. Especially, I'm finding, especially the people who are not what we would uh, we would style believers, they're, they're the people who don't claim to be Christians yeah. and often uh, know that they ha are nothing to do with the church. They might never have even attended a church in their life, but they know from hearsay that it's irrelevant and restrictive and nothing to do with their search for God. So it's really, really funny. That, but it's like God is moving in people's lives all the time. Mm, and mm. the whole of life is where we expect to find God. And that is something that's celebrated in the, the so-called <clears throat> Celtic tradition. Yeah. So when, when and I was talking about the uh, the prayer book, you know, as, as you as you curate some of this and you you're, it's like a collage of different history. And but there's some kind of character to it there's a little bit of distinctiveness and some of that's the intimacy uh of a relationship with god and a love for each other living in the context of communities um and you know i, I remember hearing the story of john it makes a lot of sense that that's kind of the roots of this because uh that, that he was one of the folks that actually lived to a little bit longer who you know wasn't killed like many of the disciples executed um but I remember hearing one of my mentors tell me he was kind of his dying words as he was um, aging and transitioning, you know, out of this life to the next was just telling everybody, love one another, love one another. That that was basically his message at the end of his life was telling everyone, don't forget love, you know, keep doing what love is about. And um, it seems like that's part of the goal of our prayer life is is rooting ourselves in our ancestors and in this deep um, tradition, but also kind of anchoring ourselves in love. And we we live in a world that really feels uh, kind of um, starved for love right now. So I, I wanted to hear you say a little bit more about the you know the connection of our prayer life and 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 also the connection to history, but how it shapes us to live our lives today. So we have continuity. And we have flexibility. So the continuity is not about rigorously replicating something that we've uh, we've received, but about applying it into a new situation and listening for what are the cultural distinctives of of the uh, the tribe or the or the place that we go into, and and awakening things that have been of value in the past and taking from them what we need, like the wise merchant to taking from his treasure house things old and things new. Mm. Uh, and I think that is very, very distinctive. And not being hostile 
towards uh, a culture. You get people who feel threatened and they become hostile towards you. Well, that's that just goes with the territory. I mean, Jesus warned us that could happen. But it doesn't mean that you go in trying to pick a fight. Uh, that's not a helpful thing to do. And yet it does seem to be characteristic of Christians uh, that all they want to do is argue. They argue yeah. with each other. And if they have any time left over, they go and pick fights with other folk instead, you know. <laughs> so that's what we don't want to be doing. What we want to be doing is connecting with people where they're at. And it seems to me that uh, the scripture is full of people who were uh, a mixture. They were this mixture of failure and full of faith of mm. somebody who's who's passionate and yet somebody who makes absolute terrible mistakes that, that have consequences. And th th there's a freedom in knowing that we are loved. And uh, one of the things that uh, we read from John is something which is known to have been from the beginning. Um, mm. That we have seen, uh, we have, have touched and heard and with our own ears, our own eyes, mm. This is what we share with you. And I, I think it's got to be experiential, but it's also that we are part of something that's so much bigger. And I think the big takeaway is that, uh, you know, people would say, you go here, you go there. What do you do about follow-up? Mm. I said, have you ever heard of the Holy Spirit? You know, the, yeah, yeah. the Holy Spirit is the person who is joining the dots between um one uh, impact on a person's life and another impact on their life. And, and our prayer has to be that when we've been around somebody, we don't make things worse than before we got there, you know, that we can be an encourager or we can be the person who goes around um, spreading little pools of discouragement wherever we go. And I, I try, if I'm in that kind of space, to try and get myself sorted out so that I'm not the person who's just sharing agro and uh, letting other people be the casualties along the way. <laughs> <laughs> hey, fact, I'll, I'll... The desert tradition, the desert tradition was uh, about getting excited about areas in your life that needed to change and then asking for help so that it didn't become uh, a barrier or an obstacle to mm. God being able to, to work through your life. And so, for instance, somebody who had a habit of opening their mouth and saying all the wrong things, um, they would go to a, a somebody who'd been in the desert a bit longer and say, now what am I to do? And they say, put a pebble in your mouth. <laughs> and that was the beginning of penance, the idea of being given something practical to do that would help you address something that was a problem. Not so you could feel guilty about it, but so you could you could get rid of something that was encumbering you, that was weighing you down so that you had to slow down because it was a nuisance. They, they were excited to make progress in their life. And uh, it's that kind of infectious love of God that, that we want, really, isn't it? It's so good. It's exactly what we want. Let me just say for folks that are uh, just tuning in. You've been listening to Andy Rain, uh, and uh, thanks for listening to the show. We're talking about Celtic spirituality and the wonderful community that Andy's a part of is Northumbria. Um, and and uh, this this uh, resource, if you haven't seen it, Celtic Daily Prayer, that's been so important for our community on the north side of Philadelphia, and also. Um, kind of our inspiration for creating some resources with common prayer that um, 
build on a lot of this tradition of, of ways of praying together. I want to talk a little bit more about the Holy Spirit, because, you know, when I introduced you, Andy, you rolled your eyes a little bit when I said you're Pentecostal, but you, you've got this love for the Holy Spirit. So I want you to talk about the Holy Spirit, because, I mean, there's a lot of um, the Christianity that I grew up in that is just individualistic, and it's about a personal encounter with God. And sometimes uh, a lot of the charismatic traditions get sort of distracted by um, the the signs of the spirit, whether or not you're speaking in tongues or um, gold dust falling from heaven or whatever, but it feels like you've got a a really deep love and appreciation of the spirit, and even this sense that God is transcendent and supernatural, that God can speak through liturgy uh, and and through the context of community. So I wanted to hear you talk a little bit more about uh, the Holy Spirit and how you see the Holy Spirit working. I have to say just to just where you say I was rolling my eyes, I was laughing because I'm a Catholic. So but I'm Catholic. There's lots because, of Catholic Pentecostal. Yeah, yeah. Though. Yeah. That, that's where God put me. And I, I yeah. said I, I would rather be somewhere where I can make the most difference as well as somewhere where I'm temperamentally more comfortable. Mm. And uh, uh, and that's that's been that's been my home and uh, we have a little tiny church here on the island which operates as a place of welcome uh, but the people who come into it are not necessarily catholics at all you know that it's anybody comes into any church that's left open you know pe- people love to go to church as long as there's nobody there to get in the way you know it's quite <laughs> extraordinary um uh, we were talking about the Holy Spirit. I think the problems that have sometimes come from the charismatic and Pentecostal and so on has been not the uh, the manifestational gifts, but the need to be showing them in order to show off. Mm-hmm. I think uh, my colleague John used to say, John Skinner used to say, it's the need tos that are the problem. Mm-hmm. So I don't care if you preach, but if you need to preach, um, Maybe that's because you feel that makes you more important and that need to be important (laughs) could be a problem. I I I remember hearing a different take on that, too, of the prophecies. And uh, someone said, if if a person comes telling you that they're a prophet, they're not a prophet. (laughs) You know, a prophet doesn't need to say that they're a prophet. So kind of critiquing that need. It speaks for itself. Yeah, you know, it's almost like apple apple tree doesn't need a sign. Right. Absolutely. (laughs) And it doesn't need a sticker on saying Jesus loves you because the tree can say that all by itself. So um, so it's a toolbox that we can dig into. Uh, and one of the things we see with the stories of the Celtic saints and so on is they dig, they were digging into that toolbox quite often, but very, very naturally and seamlessly. It wasn't something that was put on as an exhibit. It was just uh, God showing himself through people. I, I more and more come to this story of Nicodemus. And Nicodemus, you know, he's the one who was famously told to be born again. Everybody else has been told it ever since, but... Jesus actually is the only person he ever said that to. He used to tailor what he meant about having the life of God in us to the circumstances that people understood. And Nicodemus had become too old and too wise and too complicated. So he was told he needed to be born all over again. And Mm. even then he said, well, how's that going to happen? And he started analyzing it all. Jesus was trying to get him out of analysis and into and out of paralysis into the Gamaliel thing of, right, okay, God, 
let's wait and see what happens. But we're open, we're open, we're open. And I think if we're open, like, you know, you see what the wind's been doing and you might not be able to see it, but it doesn't mean it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And God's like that all the time in our lives. If we could only see what God's up to. I mean, they used to say when people came back from Taze, go and look and see what's happening in one square mile around where you are and yeah. join your energies to whatever that may be. And I think just recognizing that God is at work all the time. And all we're trying to do is cooperate with that which happens. Yeah. And I, I want to I wanna like dig a little deeper on this this kind of, the the dance between um living in a community like northumbria or so many of the monastic communities and yet staying engaged with a broken world uh you know one of my mentors so i think you had the chance to meet at one point sister margaret mckenna she's a a, a catholic uh, medical mission sister she's about 90 years old now and um has been uh, we, we've gone to jail together, protesting bad laws. We've, you know, we've, uh, she, she um, started her as a, as a hermit and uh, lived in the Carmelite tradition. She lived in the desert. She then said, I looked at North Philadelphians and thought this is the contemporary desert. Um, yeah. And so she started um, a, a deep rooted prayer life um, and then started welcoming people because she said all the great hermits said you you always have an open door and before long you know there's 50 folks in, that are all recovering from substance addiction so uh mostly heroin and 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 crack in 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 our neighborhood um but they've got multiple houses now and every mm-hmm. morning there's prayer there's this deep spirituality um and she's also a little like the old uh, like the woman in the shoe who had so many kids, she didn't know what to do. She just spills yeah. out into that community. Um, but that, you know, a lot of these communities aren't like that. They, there's, there's sort of a, there can be an inward spiritual quest that really doesn't make it out into the world enough. And so uh, I wonder how you navigate that, especially some well, of these communities that are on islands, right? They're so far out from the world. But for us, uh, what we have is we are already a dispersed community in, in, in Italy with Northumbria community. We always have been from day one. So we talk about alone together. Mm. So we we make our vows of availability and vulnerability, which mm. we live out in our contexts where we are uh, alone and together. So when I'm alone praying, Somewhere is somebody else praying alongside me, the same heart, often even the same words, um, but we're praying it together. So when I'm alone, I'm aware that there are others. And it's also true, we talk about the the communion of saints, the, the sense of the friendship of of the saints and the people who say they're not into that you know get them talking about c.s lewis or whoever else their heroes may be mother Teresa. it doesn't matter who it is the point is the people who say that they're not into saints always are they're just uh, a picky as to who they approve of and who they've never heard of and sometimes what we need to do is start finding out about some of these people we've never heard of and they can become the people who are praying for us and cheering us on as the picture says you know, of the uh, of this company of saints above mm. us, it's it's almost like they're in the they're in the stalls uh, cheering us on as we're uh, being sent out to to fight <laughs> yeah. against animals and God knows what else. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, in the last few minutes, I wanted to hear. You know, there's there's a sense that God's doing 
building this beautiful story that's hundreds of years old. We're praying with the saints and um, and and those who have gone before us, this cloud of witnesses. But God's also doing a new thing. Um, and there's there's a lot of new stuff coming out of the compost of Christian Christendom, as we say. You know, there's new life out of the wasteland. Um, there's, I think, a lot happening outside of uh, spiritual spaces that are predominantly white, you know, as we look at the world and the changing of the church. So tell us like, you know, in the last few minutes, kind of what you see the spirit doing right now, like at such a time as this uh, and, and and what role Northumbria and the rest of us can play in that. I, I'm, I seem to be repeating myself, but I would say one of the biggest things of all is to recognize that it's the same God who is at work in people who don't claim to be Christians. And I think that's really, really important because often people who are looking for a, a way forward, who are looking in our lives and in our society for truth, wherever it might be found, because it's a very hard thing to find. Uh, people who are determined that they will have the truth and not all kinds of whitewashing and lies. Mm. And people who are looking for real life, not just existence. And those are the folk. God says, if you seek me, you will find me when you seek after me with all your heart. And he has promised to be met by those people. So he will be at work in their lives, even if they don't recognize at first that it's him that they're meeting with. And I think we've got to be open to hear what God has been speaking in the hearts of people who are genuine seekers. And we've got to be humble enough to recognize that they'll probably get it more clearly than us because they have less clutter than we have. Mm, mm. <laughs> Well, everybody, you've been listening to Andy Rain from Northumbria Community and one of the curators of Celtic Daily Prayer. Uh, it's also Andy's birthday, so he's been generous <laughs> generous enough to uh, – and it's just funny that it's your birthday because you're one of the most wise – you've got the wise elder thing going on, but you've got this, like, youthful energy, too. I just think of you doing the praise dances and, like, the energy that you've brought in every circle that I've been in. There's this, like – fresh, beautiful, childlike faith that you exhibit. So thanks for giving me some time on your birthday, man. And uh, uh, send all love from all of us to Northumbria and to the movement over there. Can we do the blessing? Let's do it. Send us out. May the, may the peace of the Lord Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you through the wilderness May and protect you through the storm. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again into our doors. Amen. All right. So y'all still listening. This is the podcast and we get a little extra moment with Andy here. <laughs> bonus, so, bonus Andy time. I'm going to read you um, a poem called In a Farn, which is in the second volume of the book, which you can get in the States and wherever. Uh, Celtic Daily Prayer, we've got in yeah. two volumes now. Yeah. Uh, and it's called In a Farn. And it's about Cuthbert uh, on a little island not that far from here, a few miles from here. Great. Is that okay? Can I read yeah, and I, when, I, when I got this, I had to do a little research to kind of like find out who all these characters are that were new to me. So I don't know if you want to say anything more about Cuthbert, but yeah, I want, I want to hear it. Read it to us. Yeah. Right, here we go. All the monks had read The Life of Antony by Athanasius or had heard it read at some time or another. It made them almost want to go and become a hermit. But a day or two alone cured that in most of them. And they returned, happy to remain an ordinary brother. 
So the hermit's calling was seen not as mere escapism, not the mere luxury of time alone with God, but crawling through dark corridors of the praying heart and unlocking tortuous rooms best left unexplored. It quickly could drive you mad if you were overconfident or very weak. Those who survived became compassionate and slow to speak. <laughs> These were realities they faced daily, each in their own monastic cell at some level. But the true hermit chose the deeper isolation of a wild, dark island in the seas as well. Not a retreat, but watchful advancing as a champion in unarmed combat with the squads of hell. In isolation, far from any earthly witness who could get hurt, waits one weakened, small but mighty godly man. Mm. Here I am, forces of darkness. Fight me. Come and get me if you can. He speaks a prayer that manacles spirits of evil, those cruel forces his challenge has summoned there. And far-off powerless souls are sprung from traps and prisons, can walk in health again. For somebody said a prayer. Mm. The ordeal over, he cools his bare feet in the water for a while, calls Idas his Cuthbert ducks, who never fail to make him smile, bites on a homegrown onion, as seals swim close and hope to hear him singing. He laughs at the world and loves the lonely farm, his home, his holy isle. <laughs> that was great. That was great. So that was like a little window into our past and one I of our it. friends. Oh, it's so good. Well, it, it warms my soul to see you. And uh, thanks for carving out this time, brother. Send my love to everybody there, okay? Will do. Okay. Hope Lovely to see you, Shane. You, you too. Happy birthday. I'm so Thank glad you. that you were born and that you are Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Red Letter Christians podcast. Too often, Christians have used our faith as a ticket into heaven and a license to ignore the world we live in. But at Red Letter Christians, we believe our faith is not just about going to heaven when we die, but also about bringing heaven to earth while we live. For more information on Red Letter Christians and upcoming events, additional resources, you can go to the show notes or our website, redletterchristians.org. You can also support Red Letter Christians by giving a one-time donation or becoming a monthly sustainer. Just go to our website and click the red donate button. Thank you for being a part of this conversation and for being a part of this movement.